Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. Neil Timmons with us here tonight. Neil, I really appreciate your time. And this is the book for those people that, well, I should say this is the episode for those people that are looking to scale. And And Neil has a fantastic book. And if I think uh, John Martinez has been on the show, Neil, and a few others uh, that have recommended your book. And it's called Unicorn Hunting for Real Estate Investment Companies, How to Easily Attract, Screen, and Land a Unicorn the complete hiring guide and everything in this this book. We've been talking quite a bit lately about scaling your business. And, and this is a big aspect of it, Neil, that I think no is doubt. really missing. And I really appreciate you being here with me today. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the invitation. So it's it's obvious that you've got a lot of fans, you know, um, sure. and uh, regarding this. And it's it it frankly reads like uh, you've you've written or you've you've consulted in this type of thing before, but what I thought was really striking is that in your book you mentioned that you were you were the worst hire, and now you've basically gotten out of your way and and scaled yeah, your business. I was in, joking with a friend today. He said, "I've got I've got one more." You know, he's talking about his business, talking about the changes that he has made, one that's uh, forthcoming. And he said, "Right when I get done with that." I've got one left to make. I've got one person who's got to just got to go. And I said, is it you? But so oftentimes <laughs> it is us. We are in the way. All of us, you know, when we think about the role, the particular role in which we should hire for and who's who's filling that role today. So often, you know, we start as one man bands many cases and work our way through. And there's just so many roles that we have to play from the beginning that we should never play. And at some point it's, it's got to go. If it, if your goal is to change that job, which is what we start with into an actual business and scale up, we've got to not do certain things as individuals and put the right people in the right seats. Yeah. You know, it, well, one of those things that you point out in your book is that it costs like $15,000 if you, if you hire the wrong person in that role, I don't putting a number to it like that really makes it concrete. Yes. That could, the cost of a wrong hire. And that's, that was done through a national study. And that's what they came up with. Just north of $15,000 for the wrong hire. And I can tell you, I've hired, I mean, we can go down a horror story, but I've hired who's probably the worst hire in the history of hires past me, if you will, uh, cost me hundreds of thousands of dollars because having the wrong person um, in the wrong spot, uh, all the time, energy, effort, the burn and all the damage that they can do to your business, either either material damage or just from a you know, they're, they're cancerous, if you will, through the culture, it can just wreak havoc and, and throw you off course for, for an extended period of time, especially when, you know, let's be candid. Most of us operate very small businesses. You know, we're not dealing with hundreds of people. One person is very impactful in our world. Yeah. So let's, let's, before we go any further, you said you, you might even have a link for, for people because the, the book, when you go to Amazon, it's, it's available there, but frankly, it's got kind of a hefty price. So you have a special link for people. Yeah. I, I set this up uh, and wanted to make sure I was able to add value to your show, but you're right. I mean, it retails for nearly 50 bucks on Amazon, right? The cost of a bad hire cost you $15,000. So mm -hmm. it's a, it's a book that's certainly worth it, but uh, I want to make sure I was able to add some value. So I'm giving the book away for free. Just pay the shipping handling. 
So you get it for under 10 bucks. It's, it's uh, land a unicorn landaunicorn.com. Okay. Well, everybody uh, definitely check that out. So Neil, when it, when it comes to, to this, let's say, you know, people are making a decision. They're going to scale. They're going to do exactly this. They're going to make their, they're going to make their first hire. I think part of this is kind of a mindset shift. No doubt. Is the, is the fact that I think as an entrepreneur and as a real estate investor, we're convinced to a certain extent that there isn't anybody we can hire that can do it better than us. Correct. There's no doubt. Uh, you're exactly right. And I say it's, uh, it all has to do with your, your, I'll be a little cheeky here, but it all has to do with your BS, your belief system, right? Mm-hmm. Your belief system. That's, and that's what, those are the stories that we, we tell ourselves. And, and uh, I told myself that exact same thing as it related to the acquisitions role, which it was like that, that thing is never going to leave my hands <laughs> until I finally got to a point where you're going, I, I just can't do it anymore. We, you know, we've, there's too much opportunity. I know I can make a, a big impact in, in people's lives who we can bring on. So eventually I worked myself into the spot where we hired multiple acquisitions people, and there's plenty of people out there who can actually do it better than you. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting as well, because, you know, frankly, I mentioned it in the foreword of your book. Uh, somebody's written a, a story about their dad, about being 56 year old, 56 yeah. years old and the dad starting a business and how we really, it's not actually owning and running a business. We've just implemented another job and, and frankly, a seriously stressful, grindful job where you're putting in 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Yeah. Pat Precourt wrote the, wrote the forward there and wrote that story about his father. And it was, I know it resonated with me when he wrote it. And I, I, I know it's, it's certainly been impactful in his life. The fact that we have jobs and we are grinding in, 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 in order for us, especially if you're in the, you know, if you're in, well, for all of us in the single family space, you know, one deal is not going to retire any of us. So you're, you're, you're fixing and flipping, you're wholesaling, this is all a transactional business. Even in, even in the buy and holds, unless you buy a ton, it's still an operational beast in order to get that that machine to go. Is that we're we're putting a lot of effort in here, and uh, you know the with the intent for for most of us who get in this, it's a wealth building journey that takes a period of time, and you have to have a a, a labor of a labor of love. It's really what it is. But you, you at some point we need to. To have a, a discussion with ourselves to go, what, what's the actual end look like? Because if I know what the end looks like, I can come back and build it correctly and actually build a business that serves us as an individual instead of us serving the business. Right. So let's say somebody is looking to hire their, their first hire. Where, what position or when it comes to real estate investing, where should they start or where, what should they consider replacing themselves first? Yeah, great question. And I think it, that has to do with what do you do, do a strengths and weakness evaluation? You need to know yourself. And I talk about this in the book. You need to know yourself. And then inside the business, you know, what are you? What, what are your core values? What's your culture like in your business? And it may just be you. That's okay. But what's your culture like? What do you want it to be like? And then you need to hire from there. So the, the actual role in which you should hire, you know, most of us end up in a sales role to begin with to go off, to put deals, to put transactions together. So the, the balance to that would be hire somebody who's not like that. Hire mm-hmm. somebody in the backside to leverage you. Do all the things that are not revenue generating activities. That's what they should be doing. And, and for me, you know, my, my some of my best hires has been the person who's opposite of me, polar opposite in almost every regard, 
a personality wise um, and then skill set wise, what we have to what we have, the commonalities we have are our core values, then which we would not, you know, ac- accept anything but that of one another. So they line up perfectly from a higher standpoint and, and from an action standpoint, they are what I define a unicorn to be. They're the absolute perfect to fit inside that role. And then they match the company culture at the same time. Mm-hmm. So at, at what point should a person is there is there a thermostat where they where a person might be be saying to themselves should they hire somebody they're just starting a business should yeah. they should they get somebody on board right away or should we like at a certain point when we're scaling and growing our business do we finally have to realize that you know maybe I'm the bottleneck yeah it's a good question i can tell you my biggest mistake is not hiring early enough and and we're at a point today although you know, we strategically hire. I'm always looking for somebody who's who's perfect, a perfect fit. Because if I was able to find a, somebody who's a perfect fit from a from a culture standpoint, and they had skills that I knew I could put to work someplace, I'd bring them on and I'd create a role. Because I can figure out, just like all of us. I mean, we can figure out, and all of us as entrepreneurs, as as let me reference traction as as visionaries in that role, we can come up with a hundred ideas on how to generate revenue. And there's a whole bunch of training teachings out there to be able to generate it. Oftentimes it's who's going to do it because there's only so many hours and we can only do so much. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, in terms of when's the right time to hire. I mean, sooner than what you need to be. I don't know that I do it right away. There needs to be some revenue flow there. You need to be focused on revenue generating activities and you get to a point where you're going, oh, I know I could do more if I wasn't doing these things. Mm-hmm. It's time to hire. Right. I think I think it's really important, like you, what you said, is to as, honestly assess your skills because it, it's it's kind of amazing to watch some people, especially entrepreneurs, when they when they get into into this, uh, we we kind of romanticize the concept of of the hustle. Sure. And just because you're busy doesn't mean you're being productive. Yeah, that's exactly right. right. Yeah. And and uh, you know, I've 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 talked to a couple people, sadly, who. It's like, oh man, I, I was so busy today. And then when you ask them what they were doing, it right. was designing their business card. Right. No, you're you're exactly right. See, I, my entry level to this industry was that of a realtor. And so I spent years in the realtor role selling literally thousands of homes. And I can tell you, you know, one of the things I learned early on was, you know, there's only four things you should be doing as, as a realtor. You should be showing homes to buyers. You should be writing offers for buyers. You should be running listing appointments with sellers, or you should be negotiating offers for sellers. That's it. Those are the four revenue generating activities. Everything else is supports those activities, but that's it. Cause that's where you're going to make your money. And so I learned that early on. I was like, okay, got it. How can I spend 80% of my time in that? Right. Cause the rest just doesn't, although it may be, there are certainly things that we do are important outside of that, but early on, if you don't have revenue, you just may not be here a year or two or five years from now to do other important things. Right. Huh? So uh, with, with all that being said, I, I think, you know, it, it is kind of interesting realtors and real estate investors. We have similar workflows to a certain extent. Right. And you said you got to spend all your time on that 80% that's generating that cash flowing activity. That's right. When we're, when we're talking to people, and we're going to hire that first hire. What, what red flag should we be aware of when we're when we're trying to filter through some of these people? 
Yeah, good question. So I break the the book is broken down into you know first let's let's get more people to apply than we would ever need to apply because I think there is quality and quantity, and then from there it's got to get systematized. So we we figured out when when you literally get thousands of people to apply for one role, how do we break that down and and make it manageable to bring them to bring them in. And so we have them do certain things. We have them, you know, we test for personality and I lay this all out. So it's all, you know, 80 plus percent of this book is, it's almost like a standard operating procedure. You know, you could turn over to an employee or a VA, they could do the overwhelming majority of this work because it's broken down procedurally, step by step by step. Because I wanted to give something to somebody, almost like a manual, if you will, so they could just take it and use it instead of having to try to figure it out, which is what I had to do from the beginning. So it's bringing people through. For us, you know, one of our big things is somebody's got to be somebody's got to be super smart. I want intelligent people. Out of all the the studies that have been done, intelligence, largely IQ, has been proven to be the number one contributory factor in success in a role. Because how fast you can learn something and connect the dots tells you how quickly you're going to come up the curve. And so for us, that's a big factor. And so we test for it. So for we, we literally have hard lines in the sand to go, all right, well, you have to have a personality of X for whatever role it is. If we're hiring for an accounting role or we're hiring for, uh, for a sales role, those are different personalities, but we know what that is for the role. And then got to got to be, have a certain level of intelligence. And then from there, it's literally running people through a question. You know, when we interview people, it's asking them questions, it's scoring them, their, their answers along the way. And then when we have a deeper interview, it's coming from us. It's a place of coming from culture. So we want to know what our core values are, what our culture is, and be able to ascertain, are somebody going to line up? Are they, you know, for us, total accountability. So when we ask questions, knowing that total accountability is a is a culture piece for us, it's a core value for us. When I ask a question, I want to understand if they screwed up, do they take ownership or do they place blame? Because mm-hmm. if you place blame, I already know you're not going to line up in my culture. It just doesn't work here. Yeah, I, I'm going to guess too that uh, if if somebody is motivated in that way, they're going to make sure they do it right the first time. Correct. You're exactly right. Yeah. So I, I find it really interesting that when you started this part of the conversation, you actually even said you tr- tried to write this book as yeah. a as a way in which you could even hand that over to somebody else to do the hiring for you. Correct. That 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 is a that is a mindset or mentality that I just find amazing. I, that's we that's really we had amazing. we had to get to that point in, the, in you know coming through and starting to to as you grow your business certain things have to be put in place. You know, what are the, what's the old saying? Systems run the business, people run the systems. Mm -hmm. So we had to create systems inside the business to go, all right, perfect. And somebody has to run it, but it doesn't have to be me. It doesn't have to be you. And so the overwhelming majority of hiring in, in our business, even though it's still small, the overwhelming majority of the actions that take place are done by somebody else other than me. I come in very late in the, in the conversation because we've got Procedurally, we've got screening mechanisms put in place to weed people out. So, when you hire somebody with this type of talent and, and you're having them plug into it, are you, do you have them also write and the processes and procedures so you have these documentations for the next person? You bet. Yeah. Yeah. So you really we've, don't. We've, you don't do that either. <laughs> we've got a, We've got a standard. We've got a standard operating process for creating standard operating processes. 
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I, uh, I get involved. Yes, because there are certain things, you know, part of this is, you know, I'm, I'm 18 years in the, in the industry. I've got probably more accumulated knowledge in real estate than, than, you know, than the majority of my team, maybe the whole team combined. I say that respectfully. I just have a lot. So some of this involves extracting that information and the knowledge that I, I possess and putting it into a process. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm getting involved in various pieces to go, all right, well, here's, here's where the tweak is and here's why, because, you know, after thousands of transactions, you kind of learn some things along the way. So, you know, I tweak some pieces here and there, but there's a bunch of things that they do that I, I don't have any input on. They would absolutely, they, I mean, they know more about it and they take ownership of it. They'd be training me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, in, in your book as well, you, you said, you know, the end goal is freedom or, and, and to really, to fire yourself. Have you, sure. would you say you've achieved that? No. And that's a, no, I haven't. I was going to say it's a choice, but it's actually, I, I think it is a choice, but I'm also not there. Although I am financially free. I, I'm, it took me five years and three months from buying my first rental property to get financially free. Knowing what I know now, that would have probably been shrunk in half, but no, I'm not but I absolutely love this. I, you know, I, I always tell my, I tell my wife, you know, my, my other mistress is real estate. It's just a passion of mine. I mean, I love what I do. I love who I do it with. And I probably will never quit even though, you know, I'm at a, I'm at a point where I could, I could certainly do some things differently. It's just that much fun. So uh, let's say you're going to make that first hire. And I'm, I'm hoping that this is going to yeah. be more of a universal question. Yeah. What, what are like uh, the top three questions that we should be asking that a lot of people might avoid when hiring somebody? Oh, that's a good question. You know what? Why don't I tell you, let's, let's do this. I'm going to, I'm going to answer this two different ways. I'll give you, because we have two different paths, which we send people down depending on the hire, meaning salespeople go down one path and everybody else goes down a different path. And I outline that in the book, so you know exactly what to do. So let's talk about, you know, everybody who's not a salesperson. You know, these questions are coming from a cultural standpoint. So I, I want to understand, you know, what's what's their superpower? I want to understand what is it about them that sets them apart? What would their friends say about them? When I ask, uh, you know, here's a perfect question. Uh, Jack, when I call your previous employer, what are they going to say about you? So that does two things. First, it tells you I'm going to call your previous employer. And I'm going to validate exactly, right? I'm going to, I'm going to test you. And then it puts you on the spot because you're going to have to get, you're going to be totally honest with me because you know, I'm going to find out. And we actually do call the previous employer. Yeah. From a salesperson standpoint, you know, the studies have shown that, you know, ego strength, the ability really, meaning the ability to take a punch and be able to get back up and just keep rolling is, is a giant factor in one success. There's other pieces that contribute to that, but the ability to do that and just keep moving. And so we, I, I lay the whole process out for interviewing uh, a candidate, but I'll just take you to the end here. So at the end, this is how we close an interview in a sales candidate. Uh, no matter what the, no matter what the interview has been like for the previous 30 to 45 minutes, it's, it simply closes like this. Jack, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to connect here. I've learned a lot about you. I can tell you that, you know, based on everything you've told me and your experiences, I just don't, I know you're a great guy. I know you'd have a lot of success in other industries, but this industry is just super competitive. I just don't think you've got what it takes to, to compete and win in this industry. And I just am quiet because Mm -hmm. somebody with ego strength 
right? Somebody who, who, who wants to sell, somebody who has significant self-belief will not take what I just said. They're oh, going to, wow. they're going to find a way to navigate and turn that into selling me on all the positive benefits, all their qualities, everything that they, they just believe in themselves that totally I'm absolutely wrong. And I missed, I, I missed the ball. Mm-hmm. Wow. I, if, if anybody could pull out one nugget, that is the one right there. That that's, that's, a great way to weed out anyone and everyone. I have you, have you ever hired anybody who just went, well, I guess it no, isn't a good, fit. I, I, I get, I get off. I mean, the interview, <laughs> the, the interview is done in like literally under a minute. Then we're, we're just, we're, we're finished. Right. Yeah. No, mm. never, never. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. and tell the, the best ones. I mean, they'll just tell you flat out, like, Hey, explain, or they'll ask the, you know, they'll probe questions the absolute best probe for questions. What do you mean by that? Where, how, what makes you say that? What do you, how did you come on to that conclusion? Where, what did I miss in our, on our conversation that, that led you to think that? And they'll just question just like a good salesperson, right? Question, mm-hmm. question, question, just pull it out. Right. And then they'll go into, you know, they'll flip it into, well, here, you know, what you're saying, Neil, is this, but I've got perfect experience that lines up with just this. Do, 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 do. Right. It so, doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it's never been contentious. So it doesn't, you know, what feels like that should be like, they normally go, okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Or they'll go, they'll, they'll probe for questions and then mm-hmm. come right back and, and work to close. Right. So is, is there, give us an example of when a, a salesperson has, has kept pursuing you and uh, they they just blew you away when they uh, when you did hire them. When I did, yeah. Well, Clint, he's um, top sales guy with us. Uh, yeah. So I hit him with that question, and he just went, "Listen, I don't, you know, probe me with questions, right?" And then eventually, you know, well, here's the example. Here's the example. Here's the example. Does that address that, Neil? Yeah, kind of makes sense. Okay. Well, it sounds like we've addressed this. And uh, you think I'm probably a pretty good fit. So let's take the next steps and schedule another conversation. I'm like, okay, let's do that. You know, what's, what's <laughs> awesome yeah. with when you're talking to salespeople yeah. is yeah. that you, uh, you know what they're doing and, but you still just kind of follow suit anyway, but, you know, yeah. it's, it's, yeah. it's amazing yeah. to watch it. Yeah. So then we go, I, I have at part of our salesperson process uh, after that interview, we, we moved to another interview with the candidate and then my COO, Ava. And so we, uh, we, we go through a, another series of questions there. That's largely a cultural interview there. And then we go to what, uh, what I call the, the unhire interview. And that is where I literally lay out, you know, this is a brief interview, maybe 15 minutes, and it's more conversational than it is interview to go, Hey, you know, I, I'm interested. I want to talk about what the next steps look like, but I want to go through all the reasons why you may not want to join here. And I, I unpack, you know, I pull the skeletons out of the closet and I'm, you know, I make the skeletons dance. So I literally just go through and go all the, whatever it is we're struggling with, whatever it is we haven't solved. I just bring it all out. I go, Hey, this is where we're at and here's where we're going, but this is the problem because you know, we haven't, we haven't, we're not there yet. We haven't solved this. I don't know if this can work. I let, let me, let's, let me give an exact example. When I hired Clint, we didn't buy virtually. We only bought in person. So I said, Clint, Listen, uh, I don't, I don't know. I know lots of people do it. I know thousands of people do this successfully, but I've never done it once. So I don't know if we can do it. And then the next one, right. I'm um, going to going outside of our market to buy virtually. We've never done it. 
I don't know if we can do it. I know lots of people can do it. I just went one by one by one down the line, like with him. This he's been this been two years now. So, you know, probably seven things, one after another. And then he he literally sat there, didn't say anything, took notes the whole time. And then I just opened it up to him. And then he goes, Okay, well, listen, the first one, he just went repeated number whatever problem number one was well, we've bought virtually listen when i worked for fedex 22 years ago and here's what we were at and here's how we expanded we didn't have this i mean just relayed you know he just gave me here's exactly the situation we're in and here's how we addressed this and here's how we overcame it so we one by one so he took all those all my things for him were just objections that he had to overcome and show me that He's already been through an experience, addressed it, solved it, and then closed. I have never heard anybody do this aspect of the hiring process is what you called the unhire. That, yeah. That's brilliant. That's N- nobody. When we get to this point, nobody has ever said, okay, you're right. I don't want to work here. They all, they all say, okay, great. I think it does a couple of things. You know, for me, you think about the traditional hire process. It's like, Hey, come work here. It's all great. There are no problems. Everybody gets along. Kumbaya. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's not reality. And so, although everybody does get along well here, but it's not like we're without issues or we, I mean, every day there is something that has to be solved. We get, even though, you know, this from being involved in as many transactions you have, sometimes there's a new transaction. There's a new problem. There's something you're going, I've never seen this one. Okay, let me think about how we're going to resolve this one. And there's certainly business goals that, that come up that you're going, okay, if it's a goal, it means we haven't accomplished it yet. How are we going to get there? And so I just lay it all out there. So I'm candid with people. And what that what that speaks to then on our side is, again, back to our core values. I want to be totally honest with all people at all times. I want people to understand that they can trust me to tell them the truth and trust that we're going to get through this. I'm not sure how in many cases, but we're going to get through this. So I just lay it all out there to know that if if we're going to be in a, you know, we're going to be in a foxhole. I want somebody who's committed to be there with me. Right. Right. No, and that would definitely achieve that goal. I think a lot of people as well, when they think about hiring like that sale, that first salesperson, have you ever hired anybody where they're going to be like strictly commission? And there isn't going to be any like base pay and sure and how that work how yeah, how yeah. does how does those conversations go and is it is it exactly the same exactly the same yep exactly the same it's just it just comes through a when when you make that offer you know and people know that when they apply this is what it's going to be and certainly in my I've done it in two two places in the realtor world obviously that's only commission so you hire all those people everybody knows what they're signing up for in this world I've hired it same thing it's the same conversation. It's, sure. it's just, just, they know what they're signing up for in the sense that somebody's coming in through a job ad and it's clear what they're, you know, there's no bait and switch. They know what they're getting into. Sure. So, you know, just to kind of unpack a few things that you've hear, said here so far tonight is yeah. it, it sounds like it's, well, there was a significant benefit with you actually doing a lot of this work and, you know, us doing that hustle because you kind of have an, a strong sure. idea of of the process from beginning to end. So at Correct. least you have a cursory idea of what might need to be filled in, but we have to go through that exercise of writing some things down, not only what your limitations are, let's be, let's do some honest assessment associated with our Correct. individual skills, but um, what your business culture is. Right. And, and what you want it. I've, I've, I've mentioned this before. 
until you actually write some of this stuff down, it, yeah. it be, it's a dream. And then when you put it on paper, it becomes a target. So exactly- it, it sounds like that's the situation here. So uh, with all of that, if, if this all sounds really good to you, I'm going to have Neil give us that URL to your website one more time, Neil. Yeah, to get the sure- book. Yep, yep. www.landaunicorn.com. Landaunicorn.com. Check this out. Uh, you can't you can't beat this deal. And like like uh, we've talked about, it's it's going to be north of fifteen thousand dollars if you hire the wrong person. Yep. And Neil, I'd like to go back to what you said. There has been you had a hire that that cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah, Would right. you mind sharing that example as yeah, to yeah. what what happened there? Yeah. So this was a few years back when I had my realtor company. So uh, although I'm still a realtor today, I, I don't, I don't practice. I don't, uh, I manage a brokerage. We've got about six agents. And then I've got a partner who does everything on my realtor side of things. I was able to work myself out of that role um, just over a year ago when I brought her on. So this was uh, when I had a Remax. I used to own a Remax uh, probably nine years ago or so. And so I hired somebody and I, I did one I made the most critical or a critical mistake. And this is one that I see people who make this mistake often is that when they get referred to someone or they know someone who works for somebody else, they let that person just, you know, essentially come in the back door and not the front door, if you will, meaning skip all the processes and procedures relative to the onboarding process, relative to this screening out process. And that's exactly what I did here. I let somebody come in who, who had I had what I wrote down in the book, have what I've written, they never would have been able to make it in the front door. So I let somebody come in. They got played a critical role in the business. And, and I operate multiple businesses, did back then too. And over a period of years, successfully thieved from me just literally a couple of dollars short of $250,000. So at the end of that, the whole thing got unfolded. You know, I was left negotiating with them and a family trying to, trying to, help this person. And this person ended up, you know, being convicted 10 years in a federal prison. So not getting someone, you know, that's why I said, although, although the national studies indicate $15,000, I'm suggesting for my own personal life, it's way more than that, getting the absolute wrong person. There's a whole bunch of things that I just didn't have in place. I mentioned the one, you know, also not having, not having proper culture in place at the time. I didn't have, I didn't have, you know, Although I was self-aware in terms of my skill sets, was able to hire for that role, fine. But the other piece is, do you have a proper culture? Do you know what you are, who you are, and then what you want your place to be? Well, Neil, this was this was an eye-opening conversation here tonight. I, I really hope that you'll consider coming back again sometime. I think we could talk. You even talked about you do have uh, another aspect of your business where you fund fix and flips. Yeah, we've uh, so I've successfully done hundreds of fix and flips here in my my home city, Des Moines, Iowa, and uh, this year we're rolling it out. We've created a, a new a new business for us to partner with other folks in other markets who are fixing and flipping. It's for folks who are really long on deals and short on cash, if you will. They've got experience, they've got deal flow, but they could use they could use a financial partner. So we, literally, we partner. I bring money to the table to buy the deal and fund the remodel process. I bring some some expertise to help streamline the remodel process. And you know, they find the deal, they work the remodel, run the remodel, oversee it, and then uh, we we got a profit split in the back when it's uh, when it gets all buttoned up. 
Yeah. And that's legacy. I think I see the domain behind you there. Yeah. Yeah. Just over my shoulder. Yeah. Legacy impact partners. You know, one of my goals is to make a literally a legacy impact, an impact so significant that it alters one's legacy for themselves and their family. And so that's where the, that's the genesis of the name. So if that's, that's just something you want to connect with and talk legacy impact partners, uh, com there and, and schedule a time and we'll connect up and chat. So, and then one last question before I let you go, yeah. is there a question you wished I would have asked you here today? Oh, a question I wish I would have asked. I, uh, I think it'd only be, I think it'd be fun. You're in, you're in Fargo, correct? Yep. Near Fargo. Uh, I think it'd be fun to ask uh, some, some question about local trivia in Fargo, just to see if anybody knows the answer, which I do not. So it would have been embarrassing <laughs> to ask. Well, Neil, this has been a great conversation. Yeah. I, like I said, I hope you'll, you'll take me up on the invite. You're welcome back anytime. And it was just great chatting with you. I've enjoyed it. Thanks so much. And I look forward to the next time. Have you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing? If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.